The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 15. It was going to be the baseball or no baseball edition, the sequel, but now it's the game on edition. So very exciting. The lockout is resolved. Just done a couple hours before recording this podcast on Thursday night. You are at the best place for cigars and Chicago sports, and we've got a lot of topics to talk about tonight. Let's set the scene. We're at the place that's the cigars and sports chicago studios at the place 5236 main street downers grove that's the place 5236 main street downers grove and you can always follow us on twitter at cigars and sports that's at cigars and sports and as i always say you can get the show on apple podcast spotify amazon or wherever you get your podcast but it doesn't really matter you know that because you're getting this podcast phil sullivan how you doing what you smoking uh, doing great. Uh, just uh, knocking down a Fuente Hemingway Classic this evening. Enjoying that while I uh, try to get into my groove to get started on watching college basketball. The next two to three weeks are probably one of my favorite times of year for sports. Going to get warmed up with a little conference ACC and Big Ten basketball this weekend, and it should be getting me juiced up for next week. I am going to try to get myself motivated. I am not usually a huge college basketball guy. Around tournaments time, I start following it a little bit. I typically focus more on players, what the players are going to be at the top of the draft, and sort of follow through that. Um, But for the purpose of this podcast and just for life in general, I am going to get more on that. Um, And by the way, I am smoking from our buddy last week, a Banff. Uh, It's a very interesting cigar, very full-bodied. I would encourage you to order some Banffs. I'm smoking a Robusto Banff. Okay, so what are we going to talk about tonight? As I uh, mentioned before, we're certainly going to talk some baseball non-lockout. The lockout is resolved. We will talk about the Bulls going down the stretch. And we've also got a bit of a fun NFL exercise, which I had prepared previous to the big news today. And we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. It's regarding uh, NFL quarterbacks. But before we talk about anything else, without question, who would have thought that in Chicago sports, on the day that the baseball lockout was resolved, that that would only be the second biggest story because the Chicago Bears have traded outside linebacker or edge rusher or defensive lineman, whatever you want to call him in whatever defensive scheme that he's in, Khalil Mack to the L.A. Chargers for a second-round pick this year and a sixth-round pick next year. They also pick up $6 million in cap space. By the way, $24 million in dead cap space this year, but they do pick up $6 million this year. But the big gain is they pick up $28 million in cap space next year, which is 15% of the entire cap. What are your thoughts on that, Phil? I mean, we're down a defensive guy, obviously played without him for you know about half of the year last year. We're probably going to have a terrible defense, but clearly um, you know, Ryan Poles has shown uh, the ability to be bold. You know, second and a six, maybe I would have preferred to get more for this year or second and a fourth or whatever the case may be. I'm sure he got as much as he could get, but Khalil Mack is gone and second and a sixth in cap space. Thoughts? 
I never was a big fan of his pick in the first place. I, you've heard me say this many times. It's an offensive league. When they grabbed him, what they had to give up in draft choices and money for one defensive guy, you know, uh, one defensive guy is not taking you a promised land if he doesn't have an offense. And uh, they had no offense, so it's great to see them get some offense so they could try to get some players, you know, getting some guys around Justin Fields. They're going to need an offense. So getting rid of him and getting rid of that cap money frees that up. And uh, let's see what they can do on the offensive side. Yes, their defense is going to suck, certainly worse than it was, which uh, was okay. Uh, But we'll see what happens with it. Well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, obviously, they haven't picked any offense up yet. Free agency starts next week, and certainly we are going to need to sign an entire wide receiver core. Darnell Mooney is the only non-practice squad receiver on the roster, so clearly they're going to need some wide receivers. I would expect that next week before free agency starts, they are very likely to cut Eddie Goldman and uh, Trevathan, which will also get them back $11 million in cap space. And I would also expect, although it's maybe not as obvious, they will likely cut Tariq Cohen and Cody Whitehair, which will give them about another $13 million in cap space. So they have the ability to pick up another $24 million, and including this MAC trade, that would give them $30 million this year, $28 million next year. Really no dead money scheduled for next year at this point. You know, certainly they're, they're at least building up some cap space so they can go out and find the right guys and draft well. I think it bodes well, but I'm, I'm actually approving of this trade. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, with the new coach, new GM, they have to go all in on fields. They got to give this guy a couple of years. They got to show, and they got to build a team around him, which means build an offense. And I agree with some of those launches. Anya, Tariq Cohen, uh, I kind of miss him. I thought he was a fun player, but he was a gimmick player uh, playing for a gimmick coach. And uh, I'm glad. Uh, you know, that might need, you know, necessitate getting rid of him along with some of those other guys you mentioned. Well, don't say goodbye to him yet because he's still yet to get cut, but I would expect him to get cut because a guy who has not played in more than a year and a half and wasn't that fantastic to start with and who's going to cost you $5 million in cap space next year seems to make very little sense. We're going to come back to NFL in a couple of minutes, but uh, certainly today the baseball lockout was resolved. And to give you a few details on the lockout being resolved, number one, although the The season is not going to start until April 7th, which is about a week delayed. I think it's eight days delayed. They are still going to get in 162 games, so they're going to play double headers. Interestingly, those are going to be nine-inning doubleheaders. You may remember the pandemic seven-inning doubleheaders. And by the way, I think they were universally loved. But for whatever reason, going back to nine-inning doubleheaders and the players, interestingly, were very passionate about having that. There is a new playoff system, which is now 12 games. So six teams in each league. Each league will have two buys for the top two division winners. And then there's no more one-game playoff. It's actually going to be a three-game series to start out the wild card series. Personally, I know a lot of people did not like the one game. I actually liked the one game, but now we're going to three games. And then the additional division winner that uh, gets into the playoffs that plays against the wild card teams, they will actually get 
all three of those games at home against the team who is the lowest seeded team. Also for next year in the new CBA, there will be a universal DH and so no more pitchers hitting in the National League and the ghost runner in the 10th inning is gone. I'm not sure how you felt about that, but remember they put the fake guy on second base to end the game quicker. You know when I like that? I liked it when my team won. And then the last point is that they have 45 days to implement other rule changes and the ones that are at the top of the list are obviously the pitch clock, which Major League Baseball can implement on their own for 2023 if they want, but they can still agree to it over the next 45 days, as well as larger bases, which I think is interesting as well, given the, uh, you know, it'll it'll lead to more stolen bases, more excitement, um, hopefully fewer injuries, and I'm all for that too. And these new larger bases, if you haven't seen them, they're a lot bigger. Yeah, I'm glad it's over. It's uh, time for these guys to put that stuff aside. They were so close for a while. It, it was kind of silly that it actually dragged out as long as it was that they couldn't get this over with. Um, the rules changes, uh, I agree with most of them. That uh, situation you brought up, I was going to bring up myself about the double headers. Those nine-inning double headers, if they load them up, depending on when they're loaded uh, in in your season, and especially without the ghost runner, uh, you get some extra inning games. On the day you got a double header. Uh, it could do a lot of uh, damage to pitching staffs and uh, rotations. It'll be interesting. It'd be real interesting to see how that plays out. I love the doubleheaders, and I love the seven-inning doubleheaders. Uh, I know it was a drastic change for the purists and the stat guys that want things to stay the way they've always been, but it certainly was fun to watch those seven-inning games. But I'm glad that Ghost Runner's gone. I thought that was a gimmicky bullshit thing to have. You make a really good point on that. You know, I hadn't really thought about that. With the nine innings plus no ghost runner, you run some real risks of running out of pitching in those double headers. Now, if you remember, they allow you to call up an extra pitcher for those double headers, and who knows, maybe they'll now allow two pitchers to be called up on those days. So that's one way to sort of mitigate that problem, but I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, and it's not just running out of pitchers. It's more about injury, you know, with... Uh about pushing, maybe pushing a guy an extra inning or two that you didn't plan on and uh, running into risk of injury. The crazy thing about it is I just love the seven-inning doubleheaders because, you know, once you get to the fifth inning, the game's almost over, then you watch the next game. It really wasn't bad. I mean, you could actually sit down and watch a whole doubleheader, but I'm sure there's more money one way or another in nine-inning doubleheaders, so we're certainly going to get whatever we're going to get. And now, though, it's friggin' game on related to free agency. Think about, there are still 200 free agents out there. And yeah, that's a little bit misleading because some of those guys are maybe veteran guys who may be on their last legs or guys who are going to be out of the league or whatever the case may be. But, you know, you've still got guys out there like Correa and Story and Chris Bryant and Carlos Rodon and Clayton Kershaw. There's a bunch of top free agents out there. And I would not be in any way surprised, um, being that spring training starts on Sunday, that's when mandatory reporting date is, and they're going to start playing games next Friday. I wouldn't be surprised at all if guys start signing tomorrow, and we are going to have just, you would assume, a flurry of signings over the next week to 10 days. Just a flurry. Yeah, it's gonna, it's, it's certainly going to be fun to watch where these guys land. You know, it'll be interesting to see where Bryant goes. I'd like to see. I'd be interested to see where how his career ends, so let alone where he plays. But I suspect he may want to stick on the West Coast, but we'll see where he, where he ends up. Well, we already know where he's going to end up. He's going to end up wherever he gets the most money. Chris Bryant is all and only about the money. The reason that the Giants didn't want him back is 
I think they would have wanted him back for the right number, but I think his number was so scary, they just said, hey, you know, appreciate your service, uh, talk to you later. So I would say the two most likely spots for Bryant are probably Seattle, or the Mets, because the Mets are just going to spend money like crazy, particularly with the luxury tax going up a little bit as well. But I got a question for you, Phil. How would you like Chris Bryant um, on the White Sox to uh, maybe play some right field, play some second base? What are your thoughts there? What do you, you want Chris Bryant? You know, I always go back to the uh, time-honored uh, jinx in Major League Baseball, and that's the team with the most ex-Cubs never gets through the playoffs. Not a big fan of getting an ex-Cub on the White Sox. I'm just too diehard. Uh, I just think, I think Chris Bryant is, um, I think he's on the waning end of his career. I, I don't think he's uh, got a lot of gas left in the tank. Well, I mean, the guy is only 30 years old. So, I mean, he certainly should have some gas in the tank, I would think. But uh, he, should, he should have it, but I just don't think he does. That's just my opinion. Now, as far as signing, as far as him making money, uh, what the Cubs did to him in his career in the beginning by holding him back, uh, kudos to him. He could you know, go out and make all the money you can. I think it's all doable. Although I say kudos to the Cubs because they ended up getting an extra year out of him. Certainly it didn't work out maybe that well for him, but you know, those were the rules. They were playing by the rules at the time. It was a little bit nasty, but I'll just tell you right now, if the Cubs were the highest bidder on Chris Bryant right now, he'd back be back here in five minutes. That guy is just going wherever the wherever the most money is. And by the way, regarding not having much gas in the tank, certainly his performance has declined over the last three years. So I don't disagree with you at all. He's still a very good player. And interestingly enough, he's the kind of guy that you could sign him and then all of a sudden he could potentially return to MVP form. You don't really know because I'm not sure if it's because of age, but for whatever reason, performance has, has declined. You know, it's interesting. So related to the White Sox, though, you know, it's weird. Everyone is talking about needing a right fielder, which... You know, I mean, I guess they do need, I mean, they have Sheets from the left side and Vaughn from the right side, and neither one, are you getting arrested over there, Phil? You, are, is, there an, is there an arrest going on? I'm looking up the, no, I think we're okay. All Go right, you, you may. Yeah, we are done, we are done the street from a fire you station, may need to, so that does, ha it does happen. You may need to warn your wife there. But anyway, so, um, you know, we got Sheets and Vaughn who you can throw out and write. Neither one of them is necessarily a proficient right fielder. Um, but there's all this talk about getting a right fielder. And my question is, what about getting a second baseman? I mean, you've got Lurie Legend, who, you know, I would much rather use um, as a utility guy. The other thing is that's pretty funny is Jake Berger has lost like 40 pounds of the offseason and keeps posting videos of himself on Instagram playing second base and showing his amazing quickness. So I give that guy a lot of credit because he wants to, you know, he's worked really hard to try to play second. But do you prioritize right field or second base? Yeah, you got to prioritize second base. Uh, right outfielders, they could shift them around. They could find some guys to fill in. The hitting of Sheets and Vaughn, which can be astounding at times, uh, can make up for an error or two in right field. But a second baseman, is uh, that's a big deal. They got to get a second baseman. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and there's some there's some guys out there. You know, clearly they're going to trade um, Craig Kimbrell. It's funny how long it's been since we've actually thought about actual baseball. You know, we still have that Craig Kimbrell guy. He's definitely going to get traded soon. Interestingly enough as well is that 
although the players and the teams have not been allowed to talk to each other, the teams have been. So it is entirely possible that there will be some flurry of trades announced between tonight and tomorrow morning that may already have been agreed to with these teams talking during the lockout. And it is going to be interesting because there's absolutely no way that Craig Kimbrell is going to be in that bullpen. And it'll be interesting to see how much of that $16 million they paid him they have to pick up. But certainly he's getting traded and I would make the assumption that they're going to attempt to trade him for, you know, for a second baseman. You know, we forget, but they still need another starting pitcher with, uh, you know, with Rodon gone. So it's going to be interesting to see. And my guess is that when we talk next week, we're probably going to have a lot to talk about in terms of White Sox acquisition, certainly over the next couple of weeks. So baseball's back. Yeah, I'm glad it's back. There's no doubt about it. Excited about Sox baseball. You know, Phil, you and I, interestingly, were both in Scottsdale last week, although we didn't see each other strangely. We were not able to get together. But it seems that I remember you had texted me after I had gone to bed, and I read it in the morning. A very interesting White Sox story. What do you got for us? So, uh, yeah, so I was on a little golf junket with uh, with a bunch of great uh, great guys. Every time, second year I've been with these guys in Scottsdale. So we went out for a nice dinner on Friday night to a great steakhouse. I think it was called Steak 44 in Scottsdale, Arizona. I had a great dinner, and as we wandered out of there at about 11.30, quarter to 12 at night, we were standing in front of the restaurant waiting for three or four Ubers to pick us all up. And who came wandering out of the restaurant bar but uh, our uh, our leader, Tony La Russa. And uh, Tony had a young man that was escorting him, kind of guiding him through. And short of being held uh, maybe liable, I'll just say that you decide what a 77-year-old man coming out of a bar restaurant at midnight looks like he ended up stopping with us and talking to us for about 10 minutes while his handler kept trying to get him away from us. So it was quite interesting. Finally, a car pulled up. His handler opened the back door, put Tony in the back seat, put his seatbelt on him, and uh, off they went. But it was a bizarre sighting at midnight. Not a place I thought I'd see a 77-year-old man wandering around. Well, it was a bar, so maybe it is a place that you thought you might see him wandering around. Yeah. Did you guys go back to the so, gym and work out after that? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, after that dinner, no. <laughs> but it was a uh, it was my bizarre famous person sighting for this trip, and uh, but yeah, I I just shook my head uh, when I saw him because he 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 didn't look uh, he didn't look great. Let's put it that way. All right, well, Phil Sullivan on location in Scottsdale with a uh, major White Sox sighting. That is very interesting, and it's good to know that our fearless leader is taking care of himself. I'm sure he'll be uh, at the facility tomorrow working out early and uh, getting ready to greet all the players. So, you know, hopefully he'll live through the year. Okay, so let's talk about the Bulls for a minute, all right? Very, very big win last night, um, and it was not looking good the whole time, but against an upstart Detroit team on the road last night, and God Darn, we needed that win. Um, the Bulls come into tonight fourth in the East, three and a half games back of Miami. Um, they're a game behind Philadelphia and a game and a half behind Milwaukee. But don't look now because the uh, Boston Celtics, who are the hottest team in the NBA right now, have won eight of their last ten and four straight are um, only four games back, so only a half a game behind the Bulls. And then Cleveland is uh, in sixth at five games back. And the Bulls now play Cleveland Saturday night. So that actually lines up to be a very, very important game for them. Every game um, is certainly important for them. 
And the Bulls have 17 games remaining, nine of which are on the road. And of those 17 games, they play Milwaukee twice, Cleveland twice, the Phoenix Suns, who are the best team in the NBA on the road. And then they also play Boston and Miami at home. So they've got still a very difficult schedule with nine of 17 on the road. Injury status, Caruso is starting full contact practice tomorrow. And although we don't know it, he probably should be back next week week at some point on the West Coast road trip. And, you know, we've got Patrick Williams evidently probably a couple of days behind him. He's not in full contact practice, but he's expected to be in that next week. Lonzo Ball, we don't know yet. He is evidently still not cutting on that knee, but hopefully he will be cleared next week. So about a week behind those other guys. What do you think about the Bulls? Because I'll tell you, at this point, I think I'd be pretty happy if they could just stay in the top six and not drop into the play-in. You know, it's still really tight. And, you know, they get a couple guys back, you know, they win, you know, half of these games. It's hard to say what's going to happen, but it's going to be a very tough run. And I'll tell you one thing, the Bulls have got 40 victories with uh, 17 games to go. And I think getting to 50 is going to be really, 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 really tough. Thoughts on the Bulls? Yeah, I mean, you, you brought up, so, you know, I was going to kind of touch on that remaining schedule is what I was going to talk about. Uh, you know, that remaining schedule is either going to get them quite battle-tested for the playoffs. Good point. Or it, could, or it could possibly knock them out of the playoffs. I mean, you, you just, I mean, I it's doubtful they'll get knocked out of the playoffs. I'm saying that with a little exaggeration. But, you know, if anything, it gets these guys ready for the playoffs. But, you know, these starters, these guys that have been injured, these key players have played, I believe, I'm not mistaken, about 80 minutes of basketball together this year. Yeah. Total. So, um you know, everyone keeps saying when these guys come back, it's going to make a difference. It, it should make a difference, but let's see how they play together. It's a huge ask to see these guys try to win a few playoff rounds. I don't know if it, this is the year for them or not, but like I said, this remaining schedule that they have left is going to give them a test. There's no doubt about it. I think you make a really good point about either battle-tested or knocked out. I don't think they're going to get knocked into 7th because obviously 7th through 10 are the play-in spots and Toronto is 8 games back so they're still 4.5 games ahead of Toronto so that, I mean anything can happen but that should not be a problem. Brooklyn, even with Durant back, has still continued not to win yet. So, you know, I feel pretty good about the top six. But I'll tell you right now, had they lost that game against Detroit last night and it did not look very good until about three minutes left, I would have been saying today that maybe they weren't going to make the playoffs. And I also agree with you as well. Yeah, they're going to have to gel together. I think the easiest guy to get back in there um, is certainly Caruso because, you know, he is just a very tough defender, really good team guy, doesn't need the ball. You know, I feel really good about Caruso coming back, and I think he's going to make a difference. Guy like Lonzo Ball, yeah, they may need to gel a little bit with him when he gets back, assuming that he's back at 100%, because we've heard very little about him. And, you know, the other thing is, too, and this is why I agree with your point, Patrick Williams, who the hell knows what we get with him? I mean, I thought he had a disappointing rookie year last year. He, we had him for five games this year, so we don't know what we're getting from that guy. And I don't want him starting unless somehow, you know, we see him in a few games and it's obvious that he should be a starter. I'd rather start, you know, um, you know, Javante Green or, uh, you know, or Tristan Thompson than him. So, yeah, I mean, I think you make some good points on that. We'll see where they end up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll be fun to see him get, like I said, to knock off at least the first uh, 
playoff round and get through the first round. But we'll see how, like you said, this remaining schedule should toughen them up, though. It should get them ready. So let's go back to the NFL for our final topic here. Free agency starts next week. And there's a bunch of teams that either have no quarterback or have a quarterback that certainly they don't want to go into the season with. And then there's a bunch of quarterbacks who are either free agents or we know for sure they're not going to play where they are. Uh, I guess, first of all, if we're talking about quarterbacks, just to review the moves this week, obviously Aaron Rodgers re-signed in Green Bay. is the highest paid player in the history of the NFL, so we can stop hearing from him about what he's going to do. Russell Wilson traded to Denver from Seattle for what I believe is a huge package, and I think that you know Seattle probably gave up more than any team has ever given up in any trade. And then for some bizarre reason... The Washington Commodores uh, gave up two third-round picks for Carson Wentz to the Colts. You know, the Colts were just sick of Carson Wentz, wanted to get rid of him, and the Commodores have nobody, so they just figured, you know, let's go get him. Now, frankly, I would have rather paid Mitch Trubisky than get Carson Wentz, but, you know, I guess we'll see how that works out. I mean, they'll probably be a better team, but they're not going to win anything. But going back to the teams without quarterbacks, Texans, Colts, Steelers, Maybe the Giants. I mean, they have Daniel Jones. I'm not even sure we know he's healthy, and I'm not sure that we know Brian Dayball wants him. Then, you know, Seahawks, they got back Drew Locke from the Broncos, but he's clearly a backup. There's no way they're planning on going this season for him. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Saints, and Panthers. Those teams have basically no quarterback that would be considered a starting quarterback. Then the guys who are available are Deshaun Watson, um, who is still in uh, Houston, but has is evidently on the verge of resolving his um, twenty sexual assault civil cases. So he should 20, potentially 20, be available. That's twenty two, Steve. Twenty two. I not, apologize. We're not counting. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah, I apologize. Then we have Nick Foles, who frankly may come back here as the backup, but. If you find a team that wants him and will give you a pick and take his dead cap space, then you know what? Goodbye, Nick Foles. Then we have uh, Mitch Trubisky, who may be the hottest thing on the market right now. Teddy Bridgewater, who, uh, you know, he's decent. He was coming out of Denver. Jameis Winston, who got hurt with the Saints in the beginning of the year last year. Jimmy Garoppolo, who clearly is going to get traded or cut from San Francisco because they're going to need to go with Trey Lance. Kirk Cousins, I think it's a question mark. There are certainly teams that would like to have him, it appears. He may stay in Minnesota. He's got a huge cap number, but very well may be a trade for him. Clearly, Jordan Love of the Packers, he is 100% getting traded because now, you know, with signing Aaron Rodgers, they have no need for him, and they're going to probably get a veteran backup um, who will be a pseudo quarterback coach that hopefully will never get on the field. And, you know, I think for a second, or maybe if there's no market, a third for Jordan Love. And then you got Marcus Mariota, who has been hiding um, with the Raiders for the last couple of years, who actually was drafted in that same draft one and two with Jameis Winston. I guess, first of all, Phil, which of those guys that I mentioned, and it's certainly a collection of guys, you know, not necessarily good. Which one of those guys do you think, as you consider talent, and salary is the most desirable guy. If you had to pick one guy to be the quarterback of your team next year. You know, Bridgewater, talent-wise, uh, always liked the guy. Uh, but he had a gruesome knee injury. You know, I don't know how he's going to come back from that knee injury. But I always liked Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a fantastic athlete. Another guy that I've always had an eye on is uh, 
you know, Marcus Marietta. He's a fa fabulous athlete. The Raiders used him a lot in running situations. I think last year, I think he almost ran as much as he passed. Uh, but he hasn't started a game in a couple of years. But I like him. Uh, man, I'd love to see him as a backup for the Bears. I mean, that would be a that would be a great story to see if he could uh, come in as a backup for somebody. But, you know, I think of all the players out there, I like Bridgewater and I like Marcus Marietta. Those are two of the most athletic quarterbacks I think that are out there. So those would be your two top guys? Uh, those would be my two top guys. I mean, uh, you know, Jameis Winston, I got him up there too, but this guy's got an ACL tear that just got repaired. You know, have to see how that thing, you know, comes back. But he's certainly greatly improved under the tutelage of Sean Payton and playing behind Breeze. I think that certainly helped him. So there you go. So you haven't mentioned the guy who is projected to be um, the most desired guy of that whole bunch, which is the former pro bowler, Mitch Trubisky. Um, what do you think about him? Well, I think Mitch is going to make uh, get a payday because of this situation this year with all these teams needing quarterbacks. I, You know, an interesting pick for uh, Trubisky, I think, would be uh, to go to the Giants. You know, Brian Dayball, uh, you know, might do well by him. It might be a nice fresh start for you know, him, obviously, starting his uh, first year as a coach, but that could be an interesting pick going to the Giants. It's a team that sucks, that you know has no expectations to do any good, and uh, Trubisky, uh, you know, might do well there. But of course, he's playing under the bright lights in New York, which uh, we all know how that is in the sports world uh, with the press and everything. Yeah, um, I agree, and I do think that he may go there. I mean, I think we're going to know that really quickly. Clearly, the Giants have Daniel Jones, and we don't know what Dayball thinks of him. That said, Dayball also, I'm sure, has a very strong opinion one way or the other of Mitch Trubisky, and he knows right now, you know, whether he prefers Trubisky to Jones. So I think that when free agency opens next week, probably on the first hour of the first day, we're going to find out if Dayball likes Mitch Trubisky. But I'll tell you, with the collection of guys there, first of all, Going with my new philosophy of separating um, the character of the human being and the player, if Deshaun Watson has any legal problems in front of him, then I don't want him, okay? But if he if he's cleared his legal problems, you can't just forget about the fact that the guy clearly was one of the best five quarterbacks in the NFL before he was out last year, so you got to consider that. My money line pick is, uh, is uh, him going to Seattle. That's actually a good call. I, I actually could see that. I actually, for whatever reason, could see that as a fit. And it would be really interesting, too, because it may turn out if he were to go to Seattle, they may end up getting an upgrade from Russell Wilson. I mean, he may be an actual better quarterback. I understand the guy is, you know, appears to be a bad guy, but if his legal problems are behind him and if they haven't charged him, then, you know, I mean, I guess. You go out and sign him. I mean, if it were my team, I'm not sure how I would feel about it, but clearly he's the best guy. And then I think of all the other guys, you know, I feel like Garoppolo, the guy's been to two Super Bowls, lost them both, and I know he's not a great quarterback, and maybe if I had a team that I thought was pretty good and I wanted a guy to really perform next year, I might go to Garoppolo first. You know, if I were the Steelers, and I didn't think I had much of a chance to do much, you know, kind of with a quarterback or without a quarterback. I might take a shot actually on Trubisky. Jordan Love 
feels like one of those guys who's gonna go to like a nothing team like the Panthers or the the Saints are likely to be horrible this year. But I but think yeah. How go about ahead. the Colts? I I could see Jordan Love going to the Colts. He could be a he could be a good fit there. So why do you say that? Yeah, well, uh, I think Jordan Love staying in the Midwest. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think he'd be a good fit with that team. But back to Garoppolo for a second. When you were talking about Garoppolo, he's got a great record. You know, I think he's like 33, 34, and I don't know, fourteen something like that. Um, if they get a, if he gets on a team with a decent supporting cast around him, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't count him out for getting a team to the championship at all. Um, but he did have some season-ending surgery. I think he had some shoulder surgery uh, that they're saying could take three, four months or more. Yeah, uh, it's it's awful hard to start with a new team coming and, and having to gingerly go into it with that injury. So we'll see how that plays out for him. Well, I don't think, the, you know, the one place I definitely have to disagree with you is Jordan Love to the Colts because he could easily be a bum and he has no experience. And the Colts have, I think, what they think, and I'm pretty high on the Colts roster. The Colts may have a Super Bowl roster. I mean, they need a guy with some kind of experience. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you look at this list of guys and you have to think if you're going to go with a veteran guy who's done something and I'm, I hate to tell you this, but might the Colts be interested in Nick Foles? I mean, Frank Reich did win a Super Bowl with him in Philadelphia the guy knows the system. They he knows he gets along. They have to get a veteran guy. I mean, the other the other move for them is you know do they maybe want to make a move um, if they have the cap space for you know for Kirk Cousins? I just don't see Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota with them because again that's a chance. I just think with the Colts, they've got to go for the surest thing, and to me, that is probably you know gonna be. Watson, if he's available, or maybe Foles. What do you think about Foles to the Colts? Uh, Nick Foles wouldn't be a bad uh, wouldn't be a bad pick there. Uh, he's certainly got the playoff experience. I think he's got a great head on his shoulders. He's um, as I've always said, a quarterback needs uh, needs a ton of athletic ability and needs a head. Uh, he's got to have them both. Uh, Nick Foles has that. He's got a good head for the game. So, you know, what about Garoppolo? I mean, if you're trying yeah. to plug a guy in to win you a championship. You know, Garoppolo could be the fit for you, too. Yeah, I was thinking about Garoppolo, too, but then you actually had me all psyched out about the shoulder injury, so I sort of dropped it. But I do agree with you, but I wonder, though, that if they got Garoppolo, would the reaction of the fans be, oh, so we were kind of a second-best team before, and now we got the ultimate, you know, second-best quarterback to be the second-best team? So I'm not sure how well that would be received. But it's going to be interesting because you have to assume that the Colts have some kind of plan. You know, I mean, you have to think that. I mean, they got rid of Wentz, although I think they also hated him, so maybe they would have gotten rid of him anyway. But you got to think that um, they're going to get something. And, and somehow I feel like if Kirk Cousins is going to get traded, that that's where he's going to get traded to. You know, Marcus Mariota and uh, and and uh, Winston, to me, they feel like guys who are maybe going to go, maybe uh, Winston goes back to the Saints possibly, you know, I don't know, Mariota, I'm not sure if, you know, if a good team is going to really want him as a starter, he's going to be more of a, you know, more of a bridge guy, maybe he goes to the 
Texans or something, but but there's probably going to be starting jobs out there for all of those guys, you would think. So Yeah, you just wonder which GM out there is going to have the intelligence level of Ryan Pace and think that Mitch Trubisky is going to turn into the number two pick that, uh, you know, that the Bears certainly thought he was, which he certainly wasn't. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, maybe uh, maybe Trubisky learned something holding the clipboard for Josh Allen for a year. You know, maybe he uh, maybe he sat back and learned something. But I just don't think he's uh, I don't think he's a starting NFL QB. But we'll see. The interesting story next year is going to be that wherever Trubisky does go, he is now always going to be compared to Justin Fields, you know? I mean, imagine if next year Trubisky plays really well wherever he is and, and Justin Fields doesn't. Then you're going to have actually two mistakes on Ryan Pace. We'll then have revisionist history where, hey, w- the coach was so bad that we didn't know that Trubisky was good and we also didn't realize when we traded picks for him and got Justin Fields that he was bad. And I'm not predicting that, but that is going to be the comparison is Trubisky versus Justin Fields. One of the glaring differences I think you'll see in the next year or two is the Bears are going to put a much greater effort of surrounding uh, fields with a better offense than they did with Trubisky. I mean, Trubisky didn't have a chance. With his talent level and what he had around him, he didn't have a chance. So I think Fields, Fields is going to have a better shot at it. Hopefully. I mean, uh, you know, they need offensive line and wide receivers, and I think that they're going to make an attempt to go out and get that. Um, The offensive line, I'm hoping they're going to take at least one big swing, you know, getting a a left tackle, and I wouldn't mind if they rebuilt that left side of that line. But you might have as many as three new starting offensive linemen for the Bears next year, but we'll see uh, because also they're going to, you know, as I mentioned before, they're going to have to go out and sign an entire wide receiver core. But, Phil, we had a lot of sports tonight, very little cigars. We'll get back to that next week. We'll have a uh, a Women's History Month uh, cigar guest on next week, so you got that to look forward to. Also, I know that you're working on a special guest for next week as well, but for this week, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, uh, Bear, for producing. Phil, you did an excellent job tonight, as always. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Sweet blossom, come on under the willow. We can have high times if you look back. We can discover the wonders of nature. Rolling in the brushes down by the riverside.